You are listening to Pod Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. Before we start this episode, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Do your skin a solid with solid lotion bars. No water is used in the process of making these bars. Just simple ingredients like butters, oils, and beeswax. Bars are solid at room temperature. Simply warm the bar on your hands or directly on dry skin areas, and your body heat melts it into a usable lotion. Each bar comes packaged in a portable tin, so you can keep one in your gym bag, purse, desk drawer, or next to the kitchen sink. Great for travel and gift giving. There are 12 solid options, something for everyone, from citrus burst to cranberry fig to freshly shaved for men. As solid, we pride ourselves on a solid product while doing a solid unto others. A portion of our proceeds will go directly to a local charity. Please look for our website soon at www. Dot solidlotionbar.com. Be solid. Do solid. Do your skin a solid. Remember when we all seemed to share the same American dream? When we all thought every U.S. citizen should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative? Did that dream just go away? We at Pod Save the Rest of Us do not think so. We believe we all want to be happy. We all want our kids to have a wonderful life. We believe all have common ground. This is Pod Save the Rest of Us. Let's find that common ground again. Easy going, easy come. Where'd you get your info from? I found mine on Reuters. Fact-checked by three sources that were fact-checked for biases and are equal opportunity employers. Welcome back, Pod Save the Rest of Us listeners. This is episode nine, and we will be discussing in this episode women's health issues. Thanks for tuning in, and without further ado, let's get started. Question. What do you call a room full of privileged middle-aged white men who receive a lifetime of free health care? You would call them the perfect intersectional group to decide the legislative fate of women's health, right? Well, of course. Throughout the world, women make up a majority. But in the legislative world, women are quite the minority. Our members of Congress appear to be left in the 1950s, and they sure seem to legislate accordingly. In 2017, while deciding how they can end the Affordable Care Act, the Freedom Caucus, made up of all men, established that paying for their private and personal needs was a must. Simultaneously, they cut women's rights and made being born female essentially a lifelong pre-existing condition. And so the fight for women's health continues and it won't be fully addressed until more women become voters, until more women become members of Congress, and until women become medical professionals. In her book, Doing Harm, Maya Donesbury makes my call to women even more valid and reasonable. For this women's health episode, Donesbury's book is a backdrop to the realities of women's health. How is that legislatively women are still viewed as inferior? I do think we women folk must take some of the responsibility as we have allowed it to continue. We must admit that we have abdicated control of our own bodies to men. As Dr. Bustero states, in 2015, in too many countries, women's empowerment, 
remains just a pipe dream. Little more than a rhetorical flourish added to a politician's speech. Amen, sister. I say it's time we start taking what is rightfully ours. Equality. And it's our body and our medical choices. Which brings us to the heart of our women's health issues episode. To start, let's discuss what women's health issues are. Here are 10 of the main issues regarding women's health as offered by Dr. Bastero and agreed upon by many others. First, cancer. Second, reproductive health. Third, mental health. Fourth, sexually transmitted infections. Fifth, violence against women. Six, non-communicable diseases. Seven, HIV. Eight, mental health. Nine, being young. Ten, getting older. As you can see, none of these are too sexy. In our women's health episode, I would be remiss if I did not mention Planned Parenthood. So I'd like to add to Dr. Bastero's list. Number 11, Planned Parenthood. Listeners, any negative, unsubstantiated statements you may have heard against Planned Parenthood, they are simply wrong. Planned Parenthood has empowered women and provides health care to millions. So often, men and women would never even receive health care if it were not for Planned Parenthood. As a society, we need Planned Parenthood, and we need it to be funded appropriately. Which brings me back to the book, Doing Harm. In this book, it states that there is insidious gender bias born of centuries in which biomedical knowledge was produced by men has left its impact on the care that sick women receive today. Dosenberry makes many claims which illustrate how the medical profession has not figured out that women deserve to be treated with respect equally to her male counterparts, but from a biological standpoint, they are definitely not the same and they should not be treated the same. In fact, women are at least twice as likely to have chronic pain conditions that affect 100 million American adults, but they are woefully underrated and under-researched. Why? Because they're mostly attributed to women. Conditions like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic Lyme disease, and multiple chemical sensitivities that are 70 to 80% female-dominated are so poorly understood they have yet to be fully accepted as a real disease by the whole medical profession. And yet, except for reproductive health concerns, medicine pays little attention to potential differences between men and women. Instead, taking a one-size-fits-all approach to clinical research and practice. Yes, for decades, women were excluded from research, particularly for, for drug studies. Although the numbers have increased, the research from the National Institutes of Health, the results of research, for example, were on 70 kilo white male research, presumably able to be extrapolated for even women. Those impacts are still very much felt today, despite the proof that the assumption of the research are harmful and completely wrong. As if a lack of research and trained female professionals are not an harmful enough for women, far too often women's symptoms are, dis- are simply dismissed and most women can attest men want nothing to do with the women's messy period. So as you can imagine, men are not rushing out to learn how this affects a woman's daily life. Instead, pains and symptoms are far too often dismissed and carelessly attributed to a women's cycle. 
anxiety, dizziness, incontinence, and all these must be the result of your period. Live with it. Deal with it. Depression, your period. Anxiety, your period. Weight gain, your period. Your hormones, lady. Are you out of whack? So you must be. It's your period. And not only is it your period, we're going to do and, and research so very little bit about it and offer very little research money. Okay, now I admit, so far my discussion has been slanted a little to the negative, just a tad. I do think there is some hope. I think so because there are some medical professionals out there trying to properly serve women and are fighting for women's health. One such person is, is Dr. Lori Mancuso. Dr. Mancuso is a chiropractic endocrinologist who's focusing all her medical expertise on integrative health and truly working to try and help women. Here is the interview that I sat in on with our fellow podcaster, Vanessa Rogers, and the interview she conducted with Dr. Mancuso. Um, we have some some questions for you today and would love to start with maybe asking you to share a little bit about your background. I've been practicing for 21 years. Um, I started as a chiropractor and um, I used to specialize in women's health and pregnant women. And then I decided to go back to school oh. postgraduately about 15 years ago to become a naturopath and to mm. be able to better serve my patients so that they had other options besides drugs and surgery and became a naturopathic endocrinologist, which is just a fancy word for I do hormone balancing. Wow. So I am board certified as a naturopathic endocrinologist, so I carry both titles. I wear two hats. Amazing. And so um, the chiropractic kind of work that I do is not just for women. It's it's for all everybody, but it's neurologically based. Mm. And um, so I get to what the root cause of their pain and structure issues are and fix them chiropractically. And then as far as the naturopathic um, part of my practice, it's evolved into more of a functional medicine clinic. Even mm-hmm. though hormones are my specialty, I I work with everything from gut issues to food allergies to anxiety and depression and weight loss and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a, a, a natural place for them to come and get answers. Are there any other health issues that you see to be coming into your office, you know, more often? I know pain, you said, is a big one. Um, Hormone balance. Mostly mostly depression and anxiety and insomnia, mm. which are usually driven by a hormonal imbalance. Wow. But I'll tell you, in, in healthcare today, so many women are blown off to antidepressants. Right. And they're just not listened to. And mm. there's a reason why we're depressed or they have anxiety or they're not sleeping and stuff like that. So that's my job to figure out what the cause is. But I see that... Um, well, hot flashes, low libido, mm. depression, and anxiety. Those are the four big ones that come in. And, and not being able to lose weight. Weight loss resistance is huge. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Um, outside of your business and everything that you're doing for your clients, do you see something in the immediate climate that is being done to address women's health? No. As a matter of fact, mm. I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that there's a, a, that. No, I actually don't think so. I don't think that there's like a, a forum or something that's being addressed that way. I don't think that people that people think much about that. I don't think that um, I don't see that at all. 
Do you think a lot of the, I would like to say lack of women's health issues, the progress thereof, I think there's a lack. I, I think we should be further along. Do you think a lot of that has to do with not enough women in the profession? It might be. I think that women want to go to women doctors because they're heard more. I think that, you know, I sure as heck wouldn't want to go to a male doctor and talk about hormones. Um, but maybe so. You know, that might be it because they're more compassionate. They understand our bodies. Um, there there might be. Definitely, I think the holistic the holistic um, industry is growing leaps and bounds. And people are, are really looking for that. I mean, people are like, I'm, I always ask people where they found me. And it's like, oh, I found you on Yelp. Or I just was doing a Google search or something like that. So people are looking out there, you know. Um, but I, I, I don't know because there are a lot of female practitioners out there. But um, I think that if you're a medical doctor and you're female, you're going to get caught up in the whole big pharma industry. Because mm-hmm. you're backed by the pharmaceutical companies and you're in the smaller box of what you can do and what's acceptable and what's under the standard of care. You know? What a good point. And with me, I don't really care. About I mean, that box. Yeah. My yeah. standard of care is that everybody is needs help and, and that um, there's a reason why you have symptoms and that we're this vitalistic human being that is able to heal from anything. Isn't it incredible? We're not mechanical. We don't need things put in us at all times, you know. Do I think drugs and surgery are necessary sometimes? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are it's it's thrown at us too soon. And that Yeah and our society of... drives it too, the stress that people are under. Right. And then there's the side effects that come with the drugs. Yeah, and those side effects are really are real. Like they'll be instead of taking the person off that drug for a side effect, they're thrown on another one, and I then know. they come in with baggies of pharmaceutical drugs. And a lot of times they don't even know what they're for. Yeah. What would you say about the importance of funding for women's health? Well, I do think it's important. I think that like things like Planned Parenthood and yeah. and those kinds of things, I think it's it's very valuable for young girls to be able to get on birth control and not have to go to their parents and to have that resource that's free to them and um, and to make better choices for themselves, mm-hmm. you know? So I do think it's important to fund women's health. I think, actually, I think all health should be funded. I actually think everybody should be able to have health care, affordable health care. You know, and that, you know, but real health care, not where they're paying thousands and thousands of dollars and it doesn't cover anything. Mm -hmm. So that's really something that we're missing here. Yeah, I definitely think that people shouldn't either die because they can't afford it or, you know, they choose... They choose to take care of their children instead of going and getting medicine for themselves. That is very common. Or they just flat out can't afford health insurance. And so, you know, their their health suffers and their loved one suffers. Absolutely. And mothers in particular. Yes. They will, they'll be the last one to get help. Mm -hmm. And so they'll, they'll spend a fortune on their children, but that, you know, and I'm like, but who would your children be without you? Have you seen a kind of change or a difference in women's health care services outside of your own since the current administration took office? I haven't noticed anything changing. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, most people that come into my practice, cause I'm a cash practice, they are prepared. They know right away when they make an appointment, um, that, that insurance does not cover functional medicine because it's not mm-hmm. crisis care. Mm-hmm. It's prevention. Mm-hmm. And we would take money away from the pharmaceutical companies. So it's not embraced. 
So outside of what I do, I mean, there are some medical doctors that are, um, I'm part of a, an organization called A4M, which is, um, it's a large anti-aging organization. Um, but I, I study underneath them and stuff. And there's a lot of medical doctors that go to all these conferences that are trying to do what I do. Huh. And it's interesting to see these medical doctors that are incredibly educated, but it's a completely different paradigm shift mm-hmm. in their in in what they do. Like, it's just it's learning, it's the reinventing the wheel for them, right? Because they're they're accustomed to putting a band aid on it versus let's go to the source and fix it, solve the problem, especially catch it ahead of time. That's not in their. It's not. Yeah. They don't do prevention. Yeah. I mean, they say they do. Oh, you're going to get a pap smear and you're going to get your mammograms each year and you're going to draw blood. But if you realize blood, like if you take serum off somebody, you've got this big panel and stuff like that. If you look at the ranges that are normal, they're huge Yes, because mm-hmm. they're based on sick people. The way they get the re- where they get those reference ranges are the people that have come through their labs. It's based on the people and the statistics of who's come through the lab. So they're sick people that they get the ranges. So that's why they're broad. Oh. Like thyroid is a huge thing in my practice where, you know, you can have every symptom of hypothyroidism and doctors like, yep, well, you're normal. Your TSH is only two. So you must be normal. Well, there's so much more to a thyroid than a TSH. Mm. You need to pull a full panel. Well, they don't. So they're not getting the full picture of it. And so these women are suffering from, you know, you know, obesity and, you know, they're tired all the time and they have hair loss. And so the thyroid's a huge master gland that's overlooked. And so they don't, they don't pull the proper test for them and then they over medicate or they, or don't medicate at all. Yeah. Or, oh, you're tired and you don't feel excited about But your labs are normal, so it can't be your thyroid. Here's an antidepressant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Antidepressants are given for almost, antidepressants are given for hot flashes now. What? Yes. And insomnia and depression, of course. But like all the things that are perimenopause and menopausal symptoms, the first place they start is with an antidepressant. And nine times out of ten, it gets rid of a lot of those symptoms because it's a serotonin thing. Oh. But is it really taking care of the imbalance? No. Right. Not at all. No. And it's bringing a lot of those side effects. Um. So what uh, role do you think that medical insurance plays in the women's health arena? I think it, it restricts them from making choices. I think that they're, you know, if, if you're, a, if you have children and you're paying huge premiums of $2,000 a month for your insurance, that's going to decide whether or not you get care, mm. you know, and that is, it is, it is, I see that in my practice a lot where women are just like, you know, my husband's like, if my insurance doesn't cover it, I can't get help and they're suffering. Yeah. You know, and so I always try to tell people, you either pay now or you pay later. Right. You know what? You go ahead and get cancer or heart disease. Heart disease is number one for women. I know. It's going to cost you a lot more money with the drugs they have you on and the open heart surgeries and, and the hospital stays. It's a lot more than investing in your health right now. I agree. Do you think that the food or diet industry plays a role as well? I do. I think we as Americans are an overfed, undernourished nation. And I think that with all the crap that's in our food and the the processed foods and the fast food places on every corner, I mean, it's 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 destroying our youth. Mm-hmm. There are children that are going through puberty at five mm-hmm. and and they and little boys that have breast tissue and estrogen dominance and men are getting breast cancer. And if you think about all the, you know, 
the pesticides and herbicides on our produce that aren't organic, that's estrogenic. It changes our endocrine system. Mm. And then the meats that are not organic or grass-fed and like they're pumped full of antibiotics. And you ingest those antibiotics and growth hormones. And, and it is, it's changing the endocrine system. I think that's why I'm so busy. Yeah. Because there are, like, it's really our food. I had a little girl in my practice one time that was five. And she had um, been going through puberty. She had periods. And the medical doctor said, well, some kids go through it early. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, that's not normal. Oh, my gosh. Don't even buy, buy into that. And so we changed her diet. We removed all the dairy and all the meat and went plant-based with her for about three months. And it, 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 it corrected itself. And she, like, stopped having periods. And she didn't have a regular one until she was 13. So it, it is possible to change somebody with nutrition. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, people are like, I just can't afford it. And, yeah, bad food is cheap. It McDonald's is. meals are a lot cheaper than going and getting an organic salad. But, like, what's the cost in the, in the long run? And so I, you can, far, you know, farmer's markets, cheap. Grow your own produce, you know. Yeah. Put some raised beds in your backyard. And, but I do think that plant-based, um, to, to go primarily plant-based is really important with some good lean organic protein. And getting off the processed food is really important. If that's all you did, sodas. Oh, my gosh. Sodas and diet sodas, which are poison. You know, people are just sucking down all that crap all the time. What are one to two things um, for the listeners out there and for us as well that you think we can do to empower ourselves to live healthier lives? I think that respecting and honoring your health is really important and not taking care of everybody but yourself um not accepting what your doctor says as being the honest to god's truth on what you need mm. i mean listening to your body being proactive exercising eating properly um and not accepting drugs if you've got some crazy symptoms going on figure it out why and and don't accept what they're saying to be the only the end all be all get a second opinion Mm. reach out to someone that's holistic that understands the physiology in the body you know and so I think that that would probably be um, my best advice to people because I hear from so many people that come in here they're like why did I not know about you 15 years ago or I wish I had found you 10 years ago before I had my hysterectomy you know like I was hemorrhaging or you know and they said my only option was to have surgery well hemorrhaging and fibroids that's all hormonal imbalance so balance the hormones. The body will reabsorb whatever it needs, you know. So I think that take control of your health. Yeah. You know, I do. I think I think that your intuition, listening to your body is important. And doing what you may have to pay out of pocket for it, but you're the one that's running the family or running, you know, your children's lives and you need to be around. Yeah, isn't it worth it? I know. And plus you're being a role model to them. Mm-hmm. If you teach your children that, you know, that your health is not important and that you're the last to come, you know, to take care of yourself, they're just going to, you're going to continue that whole thing with them. They're going to grow up to be gr- women that do that as well. Yeah. So, you know, empower your girls to take charge of their health and to not take no for an answer and to look elsewhere. 
Well, I just know that, you know, you have really changed my life and my health and uh, several people who I know. And so I'm really grateful that we had this time together. Oh, thank you. So thank you. Thank you so much, Doctor. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. And for all of our listeners as well, um, where can people find you so they can get to meet you and work with you? Well, I'm I'm here in Pleasanton and... um, I have um, a website, drlorimancuso.com, and I'm in the process of moving my practice, but my phone number is 925-484-3955, which will be going with me. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. It's, it's truly been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dr. I think from this interview, we can understand how the medical profession is addressing women's health issues from a very progressive and integrative manner. At least some in the medical profession are. Women's health issues impact women worldwide, and we as women need to proactively seek to manage our own health. The health industry and our legislators, as Dilsenberry states, has lost women's trust, and rightfully so. The health profession must listen to us, but we must speak up. The medical field, more importantly, needs to listen to us when we say we are sick. Doctors like Dr. Mancuso, who are, who are listening and working ambitiously to find answers to help their patients, must continue to do work and encourage other doctors to do so as well. In the words of Dr. Bastero, When I lie awake thinking of women and their health globally, I remind myself the world has made a lot of progress in recent years. We know more. We are getting better at applying our knowledge, at providing young girls a good start in life. And there has been an upsurge in high-level political will, evidenced most recently in the United Nations Secretary General's Global Strategy for Women's and Children's Health. Use of services, especially those for sexual and reproductive health, has increased in some countries. Two important factors that influence women's health namely school and enrollment rates for girls and greater political participation for women. These have risen in many parts of the world. But we are not there yet. In 2015, in too many countries, women's empowerment remains just a pipe dream, as she stated before, and we must do something about this. Too many women are still missing out on the opportunity to get educated, support themselves, and maintain the health services they need when they need them. And this is why women's health organizations are working so hard to strengthen health systems and ensure that countries have robust financing systems and sufficient numbers of number of well-trained professionals, motivated health workers. That's why women's health organizations work with UN and world partners we got to take a look at the pledges made at the 1995 Beijing Declaration and Platform of Actions with the view to, to renewing the global effort to remove the inequalities that, that put decent health services beyond so many women's reach. And that is why women's health organizations ha- are partnering to develop new global strategies for women's, children's, and adolescents' health and working to enshrine the health of women. This means not only setting targets and indicators, but catalyzing commitments in terms of policy, financing, and actions to ensure that the future will bring health to all women and girls, whoever they are, wherever they live. And with that, here are my three takeaways. 
First, women must enter the medical research field and they must begin working in health and medical professions. Hey, teachers, help empower young women to move into these fields. Second, women, get out, become senators and governors, become members of Congress, make laws to build up all citizens. Third and last, find every place where other women are fighting for women's rights and join these fights. The first place you can fight is in your own doctor's office. Make make that doctor, whether he or she, listen to you and find whatever you need to be healthy and to be happy. If you would like to learn more on this subject, please check out the book I reference in the episode. It's called Doing Harm by Dr. Maya Dusenberry. She does a great job of describing how women are left dismissed, misdiagnosed, and sick. I cannot recommend this book enough. And here's a little side note. When my daughter was just a mere infant, my husband and I discussed in length what vaccinations to give our child. We decided not to give her the pertussis shot. When I made this decision known to to her pediatrician, he pressured relentlessly and guilted me relentlessly to change my my mind on this. When my husband told the doctor the decision, he had nothing to say other than, okay, Mr. Stanley, no problem. I think this exemplifies how women are, rut- are routinely treated by the medical professionals. 25 years ago, I conceded. Today, if that doctor tried to bully me into his decision, I would have thought, for sure, I would have thought to kick him in the balls. But I would hope I would have resisted and instead just walk out and I would have sought out another doctor. And today, I would have sought out a female doctor. In fact, that's the end of the show. As I I gotta go... I I feel a need to go and visit a doctor. I'll talk to you all in two weeks when, when our... When our great engineer, Karen, decides to turn the table on me and make me answer some of her questions. Take care and wish me great restraint as I go and meet up with Dr. So-and-so. He deserves a good kick in the balls. Oh, and before I close, to all the families seeking asylum in our our usually really awesome great country, my heart is breaking for your plight, and I do wish you much peace. I personally will be fighting for your safety. All right, listeners. Have a great two weeks. Well, didn't she make a fool of me Between the peas and brisket and your sister We want to thank our contributors. Introduction voiceover, David Lewis. Hunter Lewis for introduction music. Danny Burns for our transition music. Caprice Hall for our graphic artwork. Jasmine Smith for web design and content. As always... Technical support provided by Robert Stanley. Storm clouds gather, then why can't we come together like laughter at disaster? If you wish to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Pod Save the Rest of Us and on Twitter at Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. We all have common ground. Let's find it together.